0: our lives intersect the lives of other people groups or even whole governments what happens next is what i explore in this podcast welcome to intersections i'm brett dickerson your host Ed has become a rally hashtag for many different people and groups who support public and publicly funded education in Oklahoma. Starting out as a joke, fierce women of Oklahoma Ed turned into a social gathering of like-minded teachers and administrators from around the state. These are a few interviews that I caught on the first evening they met at the Mule in Oklahoma City, which is always a noisy place. I hope you enjoy this bonus episode of Intersections, Oklahoma. What's
1: your name? Oscarcia Carlson. Okay. Where do you
0: teach, Oskarcia.
1: I'm a principal at John Marshall.
0: John Marshall. Yes. Okay. So why did you come join the women here that they said started out as kind of a joke, and then, but then, but then people went, yeah, yeah, let's go ahead and meet fierce women of okay. eight, right. Uh Why were you, why were you attracted to that to come here tonight?
1: Well, it all started when we were talking about all the candidates uh, who are running for office that are educators and um, really taking a stand and doing something that will actually result in a difference for our students and our educators and our schools. So it was never a joke for me. I mean, I feel like it's a very good cause and I support all the educators that are running for office. It's very important, and I feel like it's you know time for us to really stand up and
0: uh, be heard. Good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, why do you, I'm I'm just thinking about the name. The na- the name of this. Why do Why do you think uh, educators have a, have a need to put the word fierce in there like that? Anyway. You know I you know I haven't ever known any lawyers that you know that had a name that that had fierce in there at all. Why do you think that is?
1: I think they just wanted to differentiate themselves from (laughs) just Oakland women of Oakland, or teachers of Oakland. (laughs) um, You know, people who start
0: out as a joke too, so that
1: people who are willing to have their voice heard.
0: What are the What are the top two goals that you want? Are you you know Would you identify yourself as an education activist? Pretty much.
1: I think as a principal as an administrator a former teacher um, I have to be an education activist and an advocate for all students and for all teachers. Yeah. They make the difference
0: Okay good. So, so what are the main two things that you want to see happen um, in between now and election day?
1: In between now and the election day? Well every day I want to see education in Oklahoma properly funded. Uh-huh. That's number one Uh, Number two, I would say I would like to see some financial backing for the candidates who are educators because there is backing against them and financial backing against them. So I would like to see some people step up and provide them with um, the resources to be able to really have impactful um, voices going out to the community.
0: Yeah, what do you think about what do you think about the dark the dark money that's that's me there as you know who we're talking about. Right. To. Um, uh, what do you think about the about some of the dark money that we we've, we've seen coming into these races right here at the last minute? Groups that nobody's heard of mm-hmm. before, nobody knows really where the money's yeah. coming from. The money just sort of uh, appears from the ether somewhere for this group that nobody's heard of, and and they're they're giving money, they're running ads pretty much. For the opponents of, of, uh, of quite a few of the pro-education people, what do you what do you think about all of that?
1: I mean, I think it just speaks for itself. The, I mean, the situation um, definitely shows us that there are um, people who are willing to put their money behind not seeing a change. Right. Uh, I think that it's daunting for us, and we need some advocates who are willing to put their money in the right place to advocate for education and for our students.
0: Okay. Once again, tell me tell me your full name. You're the principal. You're the principal of John Marshall High
1: That's correct. Yes. Auspicia Carlson, principal at John Marshall.
0: Okay, very good. Thank you very much. Right. I'll let you go. Thanks. Okay. Christine Paradise, why, are, why, did, why did you come to this meeting here now? You know, one of the organizers said it just really kind of started out as a joke, but then all of you went, "Well, yeah, heck yeah, we want to all meet." So, so would you call yourself an education activist?
2: Yes, um, I get involved in politics sometimes, but activist for the kids all the time.
0: <laughs> right. You
2: know, just trying to figure out what it is that they need and where they need to go. How
0: many How many years have you been teaching?
2: This coming year will be my twelfth.
0: Twelve years. Uh 12, 12 years ago when you first started teaching did you ever think that you would be as involved politically as you are right now
2: Probably because my family's grown up that my mother used to work for Congressman <laughs> Istook. she worked for Mary Fallon when she <laughs> oh, was in goodness, okay. when she was a congressman yeah. Yeah. um and I was a lawyer
0: Yeah so okay. so a little <laughs> bit different is, for you yes, when you into teaching. All right. Yes yeah, yeah are you are you still a member of the bar Yes Okay. All right. In Oklahoma? Yes. Okay. All right. So you decided to, to teach, though, instead of being a practicing attorney, right? Right.
2: Yeah. Um, I liked practicing law. I was good at what I did, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. I mean, I, I didn't love it. It wasn't where my heart was. And I grew up with my grandfather as a great example of doing exactly what he loved every day.
0: Really? Um, What did he do?
2: He was with the FAA, and he started out his career flying the airmail planes back in Pennsylvania and went on to become a a pretty high-ranking member in the FAA. Wow. And did all of this stuff, and he'd tell us his stories, and I just I loved him. I loved listening to him and hearing his passion about what he did. And as much as I liked law, that wasn't where my passion was. Teaching is. That's where okay. my passion is. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, so what did you think about? Did the did the primary turn out the way that you wanted it to for you? What district? What house district were you in?
2: I don't know the number of the district I'm in. My representative is um, Emily Virgin. Oh yeah. And so I didn't. I actually didn't have a choice. So me. you live in Norman. Yes. And I didn't have anybody running for house or senate on my primaries, so oh, okay. um, it was major. pretty easy
0: primary for you. Yes,
2: I had sheriff and court clerk and um, <laughs> Tom Poole. Uh, his his little collection of people. Yeah. So
0: quite a few, quite a few of the pro education group of people running for office this year made it to the primary. Um, now they're up for the general election. Um, what do you think their chances are when general election comes up?
2: I think they've got a pretty good chance. They've got I, you know I'm a registered Republican. And so I'm very often on the the side that people are saying no 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 you know no no public education. And to me that's the wrong way to go. So I kind of fight against my party sometimes. And I think there are a lot of people like me. I also think as much as some of the people are focused on how many people lost in our group for the, the primaries there's a whole good chunk that won, and they won with no experience, no preparation, and no funding. So if they can do that with that little, then there are some people that need to be worried in November.
0: Now most, pe- most, most people would would ask you why in the world you are taking that side of this issue when you're a Republican. You're, uh, you're a good Republican. Come on. Let me, let me just me just grew up in a Republican household myself,
3: so.
2: When I was practicing law, I looked at the policies that they were doing at the state and at the federal government, and I saw what they meant to do in terms of what was going on with how they wrote it. And then I started teaching, and I didn't understand why people kept telling me that what I was saying wasn't good for the kids, until I worked with the kids. And I saw what they were intending to do wasn't the impact they were having. And so I've been trying to work with my with, with the legislators for the last several years and help them to kind of cross that barrier and understand what the policies that they had were doing to the children.
0: Yeah. And do you think they really understand that
2: No, I don't. You think
0: it's just all about ideology for some of them, and they really don't understand how the ideology is hurting education and hurting the children?
2: Right. You can start with, for example, the A to F grades. I sat down with a couple of legislators, and I broke it down by the numbers for my school, how many of our kids were actually counted in that grade. And they said, well, that's ridiculous. That's not right. And then they got into office and then all of a sudden, well, that's the perfect system for accountability. We have to have accountability. So they lose that focus. And it's, it's hard for them to pick it up because they've got people from all sides, but they've got to learn to listen. And I, I've discovered that a lot of them, on both sides are very dismissive of educators. I have been... Why is that? I don't know. And I don't know what... I've been told that I am too unintelligent to understand the issues. I have been told that educators are not smart enough to be able to run the education system. I very often am called a person in favor of the status quo who is a union sub liberal. I can usually No, you
0: actually heard those words I'm right? sorry? You actually heard those words oh, yes Those words were actually said to you
2: Yes and A
0: union thug liberal
2: Uh-huh That wasn't a legislator, I have to say That oh, okay. was somebody else <laughs> I can usually respond to that by explaining that I'm a conservative Republican Right And I'm not a union member
0: yeah, which, and, which throws <laughs> off the whole thing. then.
2: Right. But they there, I think, is that attitude, and a lot of those people are the ones that are talking to the politicians. So they're hearing that what they need to do is spend some time in the classrooms. Come yes. out and work with us. Spend a week there. Yeah. Spend two weeks there.
0: But some of them do, and they still think the same thing. They still think the same thing, I have not
2: seen any legislator, and I could be wrong. I'm just saying what I've seen, I have not seen anybody who has dedicated a full week, day in, day out, at a school that is one of the schools they target, one of the lower-performing schools, to see what those teachers are doing to help in situations that they just can't understand.
0: Do you think that's that's just kind of a situation of them not wanting to be confused by the facts?
2: I don't know what it is. I've been trying to figure that out. That's why I I have kind of pulled back a little bit from doing face-to-face discussions with them. I'm trying to figure out where they're coming from. Because if I push too hard, um, if I ask them about legislation and they can't answer, what they'll usually say is, I'll get back to you. Right. So I write again, and they don't get back to me. And I write again, and then they stop talking to me. Like, okay, I'm just asking you for stuff on your own legislation. But they, I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm still working on it.
0: Do you think that there's there's just you know? Do you think there's just so much pressure from the other side of that issue that they they just they just think oh okay no way no way I'm going to be able to go along with this.
2: I don't know whether it's pressure, whether it's lack of understanding, or whether it's you know some of them it's deliberate. And I do believe that for some of them it's deliberate, not all of them, but. One of the things that I've spent this last year doing is a math and science leadership class with the State Department. And what we learned was to look at the problem that we have and go back to where it started. And a lot of what they're trying to do is trying to solve the problems that we have. They see that there are issues in some schools and that we need to fix those issues. So they do something to try and fix that, and unfortunately, most of the time, it has made it worse, because they're not listening to educators. But I don't think the majority of them are trying to do bad things. They're trying to get what's best for the kids.
0: It's just a matter of who they're listening to, yes. right?
2: And where their beliefs come from. And from a, from a conservative side, I can see some of where they're coming from. Sure. Um, and,
0: a, and a conservative can still take a different side from, say, the OEA's position on some things and still support education. Well, sure. Do you think Do you think very many of those kind of conservatives are still in the legislature, though? Do you think they've been primaried out in the past?
2: There are some conservative legislators who are willing to take that step. The problem is the majority of the party is not. And right. so you've got to have a really strong character of a leg- in, in, in the legislature to go against your own party, and I don't know that we have a whole lot of those yet. I think some of the ones that are running will be.
0: Okay. Yeah. So so some of the Republicans that you see running, especially in this Republican primary, you have you have seen uh, those those Republicans really kind of a different kind of Republican running. Uh, as, a, as a pro-education Republican, right?
2: Yes. It, I mean, it has to be. I, I, it's hard to explain to somebody who's not in a school day in, day out, and a Republican and a conservative, right. where those differences are and where you can meet. I have several friends. We don't agree on pretty much anything in politics but education. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you do find that in common then?
2: It does. It, it really is. If you work with the kids and you see the kids, the, the, the problems that they go through, You can't look at them and see and say, no, this is the teacher's fault. It's not. It's a society problem. The, The areas where we come into the differences are when you try and solve some of the problems they have, it gets into areas of social welfare and things like that that are not traditionally conservative places to be. And I struggle with that. You know, where do you draw that line? Because it's not the kid's fault.
0: Right. It's I not the that. kid's fault. Yeah.
2: And very often it's not the parent's fault. I have parents who are working three and four jobs. And they still can't do what they need to do for their family.
0: You know, the grit answer really doesn't doesn't work in that circumstance, does it?
2: No, you can have all the grit you want to. And if you can't get a job that pays enough to support your family, you can work as hard as you want to at it, and it still isn't going to pay the bills. <laughs> That's the long and the short of it. And when those when you have generational cycles where they don't have the education to get a higher-paying job, they need that education, they can't get the funding to go get the education. These aren't people who are not willing to work. You know, And that's where you have to find the line. You've got to find the line between those who are willing and those who aren't. And then you have to figure out, well, even if they aren't, should the kids be punished? And so, for a conservative that's where it's going to come down to because they do have and especially right now all the people yelling in their ears no more social welfare
0: (laughs) right so right and you know and the next question is well what is that going to solve you know what do they think that's going to solve to not have any more social welfare
2: I don't know. I think part of it is that they think they're going to bring back a, a unified family and show that that's what we're in. And, and I believe in that. I do. Um, you know, mom and dad married from the beginning, staying together, supporting your family, somebody staying home. That works. And, I know
0: I know very few people who don't support that idea.
2: Right. And a, it, it. But they've turned that into a dividing line it shouldn't be.
0: Yeah. All right. Again, again, your name is
2: Christine Paradise.
0: Claudia Swisher. Uh-huh. First of all, why do you why do you think that it would be something kind of cute, funny? You said it kind of started out as a joke, kind of kind of cute or whatever, uh, to to call this group the fierce women of Oakland. Why? You know I've never known of any lawyers to call themselves the fierce lawyers or something. Why do you why you know, uh, why do you think that is that teachers have to identify ourselves as fierce yeah. for people to know that we're we're somebody to be dealt with?
4: Well, or is it because we need to remember that we're fierce yeah. and that what we say is important and how we say it is important and that we have a message, that people need to sit up and listen to. You know, I never thought of it the way you framed it, but I just saw it as, you know, this was a validation of there's something special about female teachers. It's it's important we acknowledge it. We have to acknowledge it, and we have to support each other. I think teaching can be so isolating, and we forget. I think on social media, we've been able to pull those little groups together, those close friends, those loose ties of friends. And we're all interested, and it all revolves around education. But we are fierce. We're fierce in our classrooms, and we're fierce in our emails to our senators and representatives. And we're fierce when we go up to the Capitol, and we face down people who don't have our kids' best interests in mind.
0: (gasps) You mean there are people at the Capitol who don't have our children's best interest at mind? Claudia.
4: dear one. I could give you names and addresses. Um, But, you know, for me it was a validation and a reminder. You know, these women I'm with tonight are so much younger. They, They absolutely could be my children. And I want them around for the next 20 years. And maybe reminding them that they are fierce and they have a message and they have a purpose we'll We'll keep them here. yeah,
3: this
0: was fun. Claudia, thanks a lot. Good to see you. Okay, so I, so I'm talking to Aaron Barnes. Aaron, where do you teach?
3: Epic Charter School
0: epic charter and you just got back from a thing from a conference called ISTI. what is that
3: so ISTE is a international conference for uh technology and ed tech yeah
0: yeah is that is that what you teach at school is that is that is that your job or are you just just really interested in being a high-tech teacher
3: I'm just a geek <laughs> okay all
0: right how come how come you came to this meeting tonight
3: so, uh, obviously we follow each other on Twitter and we're talking every Sunday night, uh, under the Ocala Ed hashtag. And, um, somebody said, uh, oh gosh, the fierce women of Ocala Ed. And then somebody else was like, yes, Claudia Swisher is our mafia mom. And then somebody else threw a picture and somebody else threw a <laughs> song. And then, then Kim put together this dinner. And I'm sure you'll talk to her in just a second. Mm. She put together this dinner. Um, and I don't know, it's, it's,
0: pretty pretty classic way a group of teachers you know do things you guys are even going to have a t-shirt right yeah gonna have a t-shirt right yeah okay yeah so yeah pretty pretty typical way that teachers go at things Just just immediately get everything organized
3: the greatest thing about this whole night um is as we're filing in little bits at a time we go to the hostess who's completely annoyed that every time one of us walks in we're like Is there a group of teachers somewhere? Because we only know each other by (laughs) at Elin, and we don't know if that picture is really their picture, if it's their dog or some cartoon (laughs) character. And so I finally had to go talk to the hostess. I was like, listen, all of us only know each other through Twitter. Can you please just not have a horrible face on whenever (laughs) you see the rest of us? (laughs) Anyway, she lightened up.
0: Top two things that you want to see happen between now and general election.
3: So, yeah, so I'd really like to see... The negativity toward teachers kind of turned around, and um, I sat on the teacher task force for the teacher shortage, and so did Miss Swisher, and uh, we were talking tonight, like, what action came out of that? And a few Band-Aids did come out of it, but I want to see the the climate around becoming a teacher Uh Enticed. I, I, I want it to be to make people's mouth water. And lack of pay, that's going to happen. And and um, undesirable conditions, that's going to happen. But th- like, we really need to play up the the big things on why teaching is awesome, and and start really pushing. It does. It's not just a lady in a blue sweater. Anymore.
0: Okay. What do you What do you think? A bunch of teachers finally deciding to run for office against some of these guys. How How do you think? that's going to change the dynamic from past years of, of pleading, um, crying, showing up at the Capitol in mass, which, you know, frankly, you know, seldom seems to make any difference. They, they just turn right around and vote for the same old stuff. You know, you have this mass of people at their biggest rally anybody's ever had at the Capitol that year. It really doesn't make any difference, does it? How do you, how do you think this is going to change the dynamic uh, when when teachers come to the capital and try to talk to somebody about issues?
3: Well, I don't know if they'll really change, but I do think that we've opened eyes. I mean, with this many people who are educators or related to educators deciding to run all of a sudden, whether they know much about it or not, I think it has to open eyes. And we made NPR. I mean, you know, the national news outlets are starting to look to Oklahoma. We've written our own standards. We're cutting education. We're now 50th in the nation. Like, they're starting to look to us now. We've got all these educators that are looking to run. I mean, we're 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 done. We're fed up. We're we're ready to start taking it into our own hands. So okay,
0: thank you very much, Erin Barnes. Have a great night. Okay, so what's your name?
5: Jennifer Williams.
0: Okay, Jennifer, where do you teach? Where do you
5: teach? I am currently at Piedmont. Super excited Good deal. about that. Good yeah. Deal.
0: Now, how come how come you came to the Fierce Women of Oklahoma Ed tonight?
5: It started as a joke on Twitter. <laughs> Claudia Swisher, I think Cassie Nelson. I have to look that up. Yeah, Cassie yeah. Nash. That's who it was. Okay. Cassie Nash. Okay. We were joking around somehow, and I've been calling Claudia the Mafia Godmother of ELA because I'm starting a website that's a lesson repository. Oh, good. Wow. Getting ready to unveil that in the next couple of days. Yeah. And um, Claudia agreed to do something for me. I called her Mafia Godmother, and somehow... Cassie came up with the hashtag fierce woman of Oklahoma Ed and Kim got hold of it right. and it just went crazy from there right. yeah women were jumping on board yes yeah yeah. Uh-huh.
0: So. yeah okay started so. As a joke <laughs> <laughs> so a joke. No. so how did the how did the primary elections come out for you
5: um I was honestly watching quite a few of them yeah I have kind of a former student that was running on the Democratic ticket, and I don't remember which district. Sorry, it's Uh been a crazy month, but he ended up winning. And um, overall, I was pleased, and I think we've at least got people's attention.
0: Yeah, in a in a different kind of way. Yeah. You know, teachers have had big rallies. Teachers are pretty good at having rallies. When
5: you don't have the organization and you don't have a focus. Mm You don't have. You can't get anything done.
0: Do you think? Do you think teaching as a profession has really kind of shifted, in, ter- in terms of the way the profession is seen by kind of the political class?
5: I feel completely like they don't take us as pro- take us seriously as professionals.
0: Do you think they're going to take us a little more seriously now?
5: I am hoping so, because we at least have. We're starting to get organized. Twitter has helped with that. Right. We at least have big mouths, (laughs) and we're not. But they, but
0: they, but they've already known that.
5: Sure, but we're not. Yeah,
0: just go to the go to the rally, look out the window at the rally, whatever, and then a week later they vote however they want to. So yeah, yeah.
5: But you can only defund from children for so long, right? Before finally the adults will take notice of what we've been saying, because honestly, I'm I've been political since high school. I just have right. And I think if we could take care of education, true equitable education, you would take care of most of the issues going on in our country.
0: All right, great. Again, again your name is
5: Jennifer Williams. Jen will teach.
0: Jen 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 will teach on Twitter. Is that on Instagram also?
5: No, I don't do Instagram. What is the, I don't get that. But what? I do have a blog, <laughs> jenwillteach.com. Oh, good.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. And it's and it's a blog where your students interact with you and things like that.
5: Um right? mostly or I talk it? about educational issues. Okay,
0: so it's an issues blog. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Okay.
5: But i have my students blog, but it has nothing to do with yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. 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 Okay. Thank you very much. Well, of course. Thanks Thank you
5: for coming out. Yeah, right. We appreciate the publicity. <laughs> we'll, yep. make, we'll make you an honorary member.
0: <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I it doesn't a fierce, matter to me you can one way or the other. I can be a fierce woman. That's great. That, that's a great honor. <laughs> that is so funny. Uh, what's your name?
6: Kimberly Blodgett.
0: And you pronounce it Blodgett. Yes. Probably everybody that sees your name goes, okay, how do I say your yes. name?
6: B L O D G E T T
0: it. Yes. Okay, Kim. Kim, Kim, what do you what do you teach and where do you teach?
6: I teach at Little Axe Elementary School and uh, in Norman, Oklahoma, and I teach 5th grade.
0: So why are why are you here tonight? You you've been kind of a, a you know, a spark plug for this group here meeting tonight. Uh, why did you why did you put so much into this?
6: I did because I think collaboration is very important and I think that uh, a lot of uh, schools now are pushing PLCs, and uh-huh. I think that this is just a bigger and broader form yeah. of PLCs.
0: Uh-huh. All right. How did the primaries come out for you here? What do you think about that?
6: I actually didn't have any educators per se running in my district, um, so um, but I was very much um, taking the initiative on Twitter as far as pushing for the educators to be voted for in other districts. So I was uh, retweeting their tweets and telling everyone, hey, this is an educator, if this is your district, because I didn't have any in my district running. But I did have some pro-education people running in my district, and that is who got voted for
0: what do you what do you think the di- the dynamic is going to be just that this many teachers decided to go ahead and run for office even if like everybody but two lose what do you what do you think the impact is is going to be just the fact that that many teachers went oh okay this is it I'm running for office do you think that's going to change the conversation a little bit
6: I think it's definitely going to change the conversation. I think that the incumbents are taking notice, even the incumbents that then got reelected. I think that they're just like, okay, like maybe they had a close race or maybe they didn't. But if they had a close race, I think they're definitely taking notice to the educators out there saying, I'm going to run against you and teachers are serious about this. And we need people taking notice to education.
0: Um, When I've talked to politicians in the past, you know, it seems like, They're just kind of this this sense that teachers just just kind of have their heads in the clouds. And and, you know, we're always thinking about ideals, which they want. They want teachers to. Uh, But but when it comes to politics, you know, the hard grind of politics, they just go, well, you know, you really don't get this. You know, you don't understand this. Uh, And and. You know, in a lot of ways, you know, lawyers are very much part of that world because lawyers pretty much can come and go in the legislature and still stay, still keep their practice mm-hmm. and whatever. Um, a lot, a lot of other professions uh, have a hard time doing that. Have a hard time being in the legislature and running, running a business all at the same time. So, uh, do you, do you think that this, this was really kind of a wake-up call, kind of a kind of a fire bell in a lot of ways?
6: I think it's definitely a wake-up call for everyone. I think that everyone is now seeing that education is very much a priority to most of the state of Oklahoma, not the whole state of Oklahoma, but most of the state yeah, of Oklahoma.
0: Yeah, it's not, It, it did isn't it didn't just teachers, is it?
6: Right. No, it's not just teachers.
0: Yeah, yeah, teachers aren't, you know, everybody goes, yeah, yeah, you're a teacher, so you're mm-hmm. for education, but a lot of people are talking about education that really didn't used to before, right?
6: Right. Yes, I agree with that. Okay.
0: That concludes our interview. There are several ways for you to catch this weekly podcast. Go to our website at intersectionsok.com where you can subscribe, listen to episodes, read the backstory, and see photos of our guest. On iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and our Facebook page, we are Intersections Oklahoma. On Twitter and Instagram, we are Intersections OK. I always want to hear about the cool people in your life so write to me. My email address is ideas at intersectionsok.com. Stephen Tyler is our awesome production advisor, and I am your host, Brett Dickerson.